Hello, Hirok. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke during the season of Lent. And today we come to the conclusion, uh, at least for now, the conclusion of all these passages we've been going through where Jesus is squaring off against the Pharisees. So we're going to see Jesus now turn from the Pharisees and, and address the crowds about what they've been talking about. So we're in Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12, where we read this. Meanwhile, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of any of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you than any more to you after that. But I'll tell you whom to fear. Fear God who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. I tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So right now, Jesus is finally turning to the crowds and dealing with the aftermath of his conflict with the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees who were focused on externals. And as Taylor and I talked about yesterday, we're kind of waging a culture war of us versus them, insiders and outsiders. And they had this self-serving use of, of, of even their spiritual position. And it's all hypocrisy. And, you know, for those of us, those of you who've been with us for a while, you've probably heard us talk about this, but the word hypocrite is actually a word only Jesus uses in the New Testament. It basically means to be an actor. It means to have like, you know, to wear a mask, to play a part rather than uh, being genuinely who you are. Right after this, Jesus says, you know, saying, don't be an actor. He says, you know, one day everything that is hidden will be revealed. Whatever you have, you know, whispered in secret, whatever you thought was hidden, uh, whatever has been underneath that mask, it's all going to be made known. Everything private will become public. So don't play a part. Be be genuine. Uh, beware of this yeast of the Pharisees. And I think yeast is a it's a powerful image. It's used often of sin. And the idea is just this little bit of yeast can can affect the entire lump of dough and transform it. Now that could be for positive or, or, or negative, but in this case, it's, it's used in the negative sense that this yeast, this hypocrisy of the Pharisees of image management uh, can be something that infects everything. So be really, really uh, careful about it. But still, like if we reject the yeast of the Pharisees of the religious leaders in this context, who are also in, in some ways uh, local political leaders, if we reject their use, the fact still remains that they have power. In fact, they're going to be using this power very soon to take Jesus's life. Um, so don't we still have to play the game, you know, kind of, you know, 
would probably want to say, you know, hey, Jesus, hate the player, not the, excuse me, hate the game, not the player. Don't hate the player, hate the game. But Jesus says, no, don't even play the game at all. And, and don't fear those who will punish you for not playing the game. Verse four, he says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body because they can't do anything more to you after that. Instead, fear God who has the power to do something after you have died. In other words, you know, you know, these people who have power, they may be able to attack your reputation in this dangerous culture war. They might be able to harm you financially, whatever they can do, but whatever they can do ends at death. God is the one who is in control after that. Only, only God has that kind of power. But even there, Jesus says, you don't need to fear God in this context because God cares about you. God's power is used to bless you and, and, and to take care of you. Because the very next example, he says, you know, what's the price of five sparrows, only two copper coins? They're, they're virtually worthless on a human scale, and yet God cares for them. So how much more is God going to care for you? So um, we might be tempted to fear God, but I don't, I don't think that's the message here. The message here, I think, is very clearly, you don't need to fear God, um, because at least if you're following Jesus, because God loves you uh, very deeply. Uh, and then Jesus is going to be faithful to you. Uh, he says, uh, verse 8, I tell you the truth, anyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him in the presence of God's angels. And finally, we get with this kind of cryptic warning about the Holy Spirit and you know what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Because this is the one sin that won't be forgiven. And people have uh, long debated this. I know that as a young believer, this was a, often a discussion in college youth group or college groups and and fellowships. And I think really the the sense that I I have of this is that, um, and this goes back to the earlier encounter that started this whole series of conflicts with the Pharisees. Jesus had cast out a demon, and you know through the power of the Spirit. And the Pharisees said, "Well, the only reason Jesus can do that is by." Um, using the power of Satan itself. So in other words, they called evil good and called good evil. And basically, I think they were in a hopeless position because if even the very signature power of God was displayed to them, and even that wasn't going to convince them, then then what hope is there? If they're going to blaspheme even the Holy Spirit, if they're going to uh, call the, the power of the Spirit and say that that's the power of the devil, then then what else can there be done? Like, you know, if you're drowning in, you know, if you've fallen off a boat and you're drowning in the ocean and someone throws you a life preserver and you reject that, you know, what hope is there? But then let's say a person ties a rope around them and they jump off the boat to save you and say, no, thanks. I don't want your help. I think you're just here to drown me. Well, that's in effect what they had done to Jesus. At that point, what else can there possibly be that could save you? So you're without hope at that point. So that's how I understand this uh, this warning about the power of the Spirit. And more than that, Jesus closes off, you know, the power of the Spirit is here to actually to help you. And even when you face off against these people who have, you know, worldly power, don't be afraid because even in that situation, God will be with you. The Spirit will give you the words to say. So all of this, don't fear their power. Um, recognize God has greater power but more than that, that God's power is bent for you because God loves you. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage. You've done a great job of kind of walking us through each tree. Um, but I want to just talk about actually the forest that these trees are a part of. They had been nobodies for this entire time, right? They were sort of like kind of rough fishermen and, and tax collectors. I mean, people nobody was really all that interested in. And suddenly things have really changed. The tide has turned, right? We read in verse 1. Uh, that that uh, the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other, right? It's it, there's just there's all these people, and suddenly these guys like this is 
these they're the celebrities. And at that moment, Jesus turns and said, he says, he turned to his disciples and warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Meaning you saw what happened to the Pharisees when they got too much of this attention. Their hypocrisy, meaning, as you said, they become actors. And, and I totally recognize that, that there's the authentic reality of me being Dave, who serves as a pastor. And then there can be the temptation sometimes because if people come have all kinds of expectations about what a pastor, you be like, I've got all these expectations of what a pastor is going to be like. And, and kind of I've got these aspirations of what I wish I were like. It's very easy, easy for me to stop being Pastor Dave and actually start playing Pastor Dave, playing the role that is actually not who I am at all, but it's somebody that I think the public will like better and, and maybe get more applause and, and that's always the temptation, I think, when we're in any kind of, of leadership or, or under the spotlight in any way. Uh, and so he's saying to the disciples, hey, right now, you guys are getting a lot of attention. And, and the Pharisees allowed themselves to become actors, right? That what was happening to them inside did not reflect what was happening outside. What was happening in their hearts was not reflected in their words, right? Those, those were two different realities, and which is the exact opposite of what integrity is, right? Integrity is when it's one thing. It all fits together, the inside and the outside. And so he's saying that, hey, don't, don't let that go through. And of course, what does yeast do? You're right, a little bit will spread and touch every part of you, but also it puffs up. And he's saying, be careful for that. Then he's saying this, uh, you know, a time is coming when everything is going to be revealed, right? All these secrets are going to be made plain. And for someone like me, Right, that's I, I I don't take that as a promise. I take it as a little bit of a threat. Like, hey Dave, those places where you've been acting, the places where you've been pretending to be more holy than you really are, I just want you to know, someday the jig is going to be up. People are all going to see the reality of it, and and so you, the, you this ability to hide what's on the inside is not going to last very long. And then he speaks to the motivations. What makes you want to do that? Verse four. It's these people who want to kill your body, right? And there are people who, when you're in leadership, man, they want to kill you. And so there is this temptation to want to, or they want to cancel you, right? I mean, kind of the, the social media version of killing. Um, and so there's this temptation to say, okay, I want to act in a way that will ameliorate them, that will, will, um, will keep, keep me safe from, from their, their anger. And Jesus is saying, why are you worried about them? They're nothing. What can they do? Can they kill you? Can they cancel you? Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. God can can destroy you forever. God can can throw you into Gehenna, right? This is a whole different ballgame. Don't be worried. But then at the same time, just as you pointed out, then he's also saying, hey, like, but God loves sparrows so much. How much do you think he loves you? And again, for somebody in leadership, man, that's the reality. That's the reminder I need to hear all the time. I am precious to God. I may or may not be precious to other people, but I don't need so much to be precious in the eyes of the strangers I need to be precious in the eyes of my father. And that allows me to love strangers rather than demanding love from them. And then Jesus is giving to the disciples this sort of mandate. I, I tell you the truth, if you public, publicly acknowledge me here on earth, I'm going to acknowledge you in the presence of God's angels. Meaning, remember what your job here is, right? Your job is not to proclaim yourself and it's not to keep the people happy. It's to tell the truth about who I am. And, and be kind of these agents of reconciliation between humanity and God, like help bring that marriage together again. Like that's that's kind of uh, what, what your job is. Don't forget that piece. And then continuing at the, you know, the end, he says, when you're brought to trial before rulers and authorities, 
oh goodness, I know that's in myself that if I'm going to be kind of in a place, it's so easy for me to plan and plan and plan and plan all the things I'm going to say, craft my words so I can be very, very clever. I can do that preparation for a meeting of conflict, or I can do the preparation of being very present with God, recognizing my, my twisted motives, acknowledging my anxieties and fears, asking for the Holy Spirit's presence, becoming attentive to God so that when I walk into those situations, instead of being fo focused on myself or on the person who's coming at me, being able to, in that moment, be able to see God, which allows me to then not be so anxious for myself so that I can care for the person in front of me. And I can actually hear what the Holy Spirit is guiding me. I can share the Spirit of God as I, I approach this person. So all this to say, I feel like... Uh, this whole piece is a way underestimated treatise on leadership that I think Jesus has given, especially for new leaders. And I would say for so many leaders today, they need to hear this. I know I always need to hear it. And I think so many young people today, especially the kind of young people that we tend to see in the greater Boston area who are very ambitious and perhaps one day will be, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, in positions of, of privilege or power. These words are for us. Let's not miss them. So I, I think this is such a, a timely word, a, a, a wonderful word. No, it, it's it's great stuff. And I think um, we should be praying about this. Uh, I think, uh, well, in fact, I'd, I'd love for you to pray for us now about this, that we'd have that kind of rootedness in, in who we are in God's eyes so that we wouldn't be so desperate to gain the approval of others. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, you know how tempted I am to become a pleaser of people, to become more attentive to the ephemeral opinions of the crowd than to you, my eternal Father and Savior. God, I pray that truly I would be playing to an audience of one, that my, my deepest joy would be to please you, and I pray that that would be true of all of us who are listening here today. As we go out into the world today, May we play to an audience of one. May we bring you joy. And because we're so fixed on playing to an audience of one, God, may we be servants of all. God, I pray that we would be free from our self-centeredness, our, our, our preening self-consciousness to be able to truly care for others in Jesus' name. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today as we walk through the Gospel of Luke. And I hope you're able to return. And again, uh, join us tomorrow. I think uh, along these same lines, we're going to talk a lot about uh, the kind of anxiety that keeps us from experiencing the blessings of God. So go in peace.